Hey guys, I'm joined today with Joseph Goodman, columnist at uh, AL.com. Joe also has a a book coming out, We Want Bama, A Season of Hope and the Making of Nick Saban's Ultimate Team. Um, I think you can get that pretty much anywhere. Is Is that right, Joe? Yeah, that's right. It came out November 9th. It's available wherever books are sold, so just... Yeah, anywhere. Is that just about a particular season or just about just the, the program slash monster Nick Saban's made in Alabama? It, it's it's kind of about a lot of different things, uh, but mainly it's about the culture of the South and how, you know, it has led to this huge football team in Alabama and then kind of through the lens of, you know, what happened in 2020 with the pandemic and the summer of racial justice and all those different things. So all encompassing book. Yeah. About Alabama, the South college football. Yeah, man, that sounds like it's got a lot of interesting things. I'll more than likely pick that up. I enjoy just reading about football when it, as it reacts as a parallel to everyday life and the, you know, the careers we have or the, the region that we uh, reside in. Um, when it comes to like regional stuff, Oklahoma, there's always like a Twitter meme for Oklahoma people. Like where, what do you consider Oklahoma to be? You know, the Great Plains, Midwest, Southwest, the South. Um, I live in the Southeastern corner of the state. Um, so I, I fully consider Oklahoma part of the classic South, <laughs> but there it is broken almost in like four different quadrants to a certain degree. So um, it, it's kind cool. of a divided yeah. state regionally. I'm starting to learn about Oklahoma for sure. Um, I've spent time there. I used to cover the NBA for the Miami Herald. So I, I covered the, the heat. And so I, I spent, um, you know, several weeks there uh, covering the NBA playoffs. And I love Oklahoma City. It's a cool place. I've been to, uh, I've been to Norman once. It was for mm-hmm. Jalen's first game against Houston. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, like Auburn was playing um, in Dallas on opening weekend. And so I just made the drive up like the next day or whatever because I think the game was on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I covered Jalen's first game uh, at Oklahoma. That was a lot of fun. Super cool. Was that a strange experience seeing him? I mean, it was it was strange for me as an OU fan to see him in a different shade of crimson, obviously. Was it uh, – was it – strange for you guys having seen him more closely as the Alabama product? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, he was uh, the starting quarterback since like the second game of his freshman year. So he was like Mr. Alabama and uh, there were just, he had another quarterback there who beat him out, you know, <laughs> to us. So uh, as a grad transfer, he decided to go to Oklahoma. Great decision for him. Uh, and, yeah, he was he was he was an amazing kid to cover. A lot of fun. Uh, love those guys. Um, so, yeah, it was yeah it was strange seeing him play for Oklahoma, but also at the same time I was really happy that he was getting to play for Oklahoma. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't expect much from him to be honest with you. I mean, I I watched him and I, I watched him with the Lane Kiffin offense, and I was like, hey, this is somebody who could do something. Maybe but I fully expected that just to be like a stop gap year. And then he just exploded and became just a one man offense for the entire team. It was not f- fully what I was expecting at all. Um, he was a much, and then obviously he rolled that to second round draft picks. I mean, that was not who I thought he was <laughs> at all in any way, shape or form because it gets stuck in your head and you see Tua be amazing. And you think, well, Jalen's just, you know, a piece of garbage on the side of the road type of thing. <laughs> and then it turns out he's actually super good. Just, a different type of football player. Yeah. And to Jalen's credit, I mean, he just kept improving and improving and working hard and working hard. And, you know, he's kind of like the testament to, uh, you know, a guy who maybe didn't have as much hype at the beginning or potential or whatever, but just through hard work and commitment, you know, 
And, it, and that really shows you what it takes to be a professional athlete or a professional in any yeah. walk of life. You know, they're always going to be more talented people than you. Uh, but if you outwork them in the long run, then, you know, a lot of times that's the best route to go, you know, and that, that I feel like that's Jalen for sure. And when he paired with Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, that was a, that was really great for him, you know, just to learn under Lincoln Riley and, and how Oklahoma d- goes about their business and, and does everything they do. So, um, and, and you know, he, he's a, like a mid, I don't know what you want to call it. Midwestern, like South, Southern, like Southwestern guy, you know, at heart. Cause he's from Texas. So, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think he really enjoyed that one year of getting to play in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Oh, I consider uh, much like Texas, how it portrays itself and everything. Texas is its own place. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Um, so uh, you kind of give me a nice little segue talking about Hertz um, being coached by Lincoln Riley and making great business decisions like that. Uh, you may have heard that Lincoln Riley also made a business decision. <laughs> <laughs> deciding to uh, uh, leave on the midnight train out of Norman, uh, heading to LA. Yay. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> completely gutted our program, the OU program. I say our, I mean, for a fan here, I uh, completely gutted the OU program. Uh, and it seemed like a place you have not, I mean, Oklahoma is Oklahoma fan base. And I don't know what it's like in other fan bases. I have some Alabama fans, like when they played in the Sugar Bowl, I would kept asking them, I'm like, are you guys worried about playing us? Because we're all shaking in our boots. This is Alabama. And it was kind of like, yeah, you guys are a good program. But it was never, in my mind, Oklahoma has never historically been lifted up in the same way you think about like Ohio State or think about Alabama or Notre Dame or USC. It's almost like it's a smaller thing. Mm-hmm. But that may be because I'm from Oklahoma. There's not a lot of us here. <laughs> you know, we're kind of uh, insulated to a certain degree. Um, but I think from an outside perception, the Oklahoma's really grown with the advent of the college football playoff. Uh, you know, they've they've proven that they're the best team in the Big Twelve year after year after year, and that's absolutely a raise the. Uh, stature and and kind of the notoriety of the program and then you know i think right oklahoma's tied with notre dame for the most heisman trophy winners seven or something yes notre dame usc and ou seven yeah Yeah. so i mean seven national championships the most all americans of all time that just speaks for itself so yeah uh but oh i mean OU fans uh myself included you're kind of thinking Oh no! Is OU about to become uh, Nebraska? Is this it? It was that. Was that the death knell? Is it? Have has has this state small population recruiting stuff being pushed off to the side? We're about to join the SEC. Um, has Lincoln Riley basically, you know, shoved a, a stake in the heart of the program? Um, and then OU did what I think was the smartest thing it could do. Uh, it hired Brent Venables and he's basically getting the full band back together. I mean, basically if you're, it's, it's a little concerning, but basically if you've walked in Norman once or twice, uh, Brent Venables may be looking to hire you to be on the (laughs) coaching staff. I've seen, I've been paying attention to the staff he's putting together and, you know, and there's going to be a lot of continuity from the beginning, which is great for OU. Uh, You know, I, I don't think, uh, they're really going to miss a beat at all with, you know, when it comes to recruiting, you know, <laughs> and that's the most important thing in the end. So, yeah, I think he's doing a great job putting his staff together. Yeah. I mean, that is the lifeblood of it. And I know OU fans, I mean, Lincoln Riley is a phenomenal recruiter. He's going to be bringing in top five classes at USC. Uh, it just kind of sucks because he was, about to start doing that at OU. I think 2022 is the third ranked class. 23, obviously, that stuff grows, was already the number one rated class. Things change as more people commit and decommit, obviously. We had OU looking where it was going to be, you know, potentially a top five recruiter or just outside the top five, um, which moving into SEC, you have to be. I mean, you have to be, you have to have an embarrassment of fridges, basically, in order to keep up with the Joneses. Um, but one of the things, you had kind of mentioned you have an article and I'll share that uh, in the posting of this talking about Brent taking a shot and saying, wow, maybe OU actually is ready for the SEC. <laughs> Can you kind of walk me through what you mean by the, 
I think you mentioned, I think you call it like the dark magic or the, or something along those lines. The dark, yeah. The dark, I always call it the dark arts of the SEC. The dark you know? arts. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, that's just coach's ability to, you know, find uh, some kind of like recruiting advantage, uh, you know, along the margins and because it's so challenging in the SEC. So there's definitely like this ability to recruit, and to communicate a message uh, that sets the really good coaches apart from everyone else. You know, Nick Saban obviously has that. Lane Kiffin definitely has that. Uh, Sam Pittman, you've seen him be able to capture some of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, (laughs) you know, Venables, from the very beginning in his opening press conference, like, he th- took a shot at Auburn, like in this passive aggressive, like classic SEC coach way. And uh, <laughs> that really like stood out to me. And I appreciated that coming from him and, and just kind of, cause he, he understands what it's going to take. Go- and, and that's great going into, uh, you know, already they're competing against SEC teams now for recruits, even though they're not playing on the field yet against each other. Uh, so yeah, like I, I just, the point of the column was like, Oklahoma's in good hands, Brent Venables and, you know, OU's ready for the SEC. And, you know, I need to, I need to go ahead and admit that I didn't really understand the power of Oklahoma at the beginning when Texas and Oklahoma were both accepted into the SEC, you know, I was more focused on Sarkeesian and Texas, Mm -hmm. you know, all, all that angle, but, you know, uh, if you wanted it, like Oklahoma, you're right. They really bounced back immediately from losing Lincoln Riley and maybe in a lot of ways were able to upgrade uh, just from, you know, the standpoint of a coach coming in who's going to have his own ideas and, and is going to definitely know how to compete against some of these SEC coaches because he's been doing that at Clemson, you know, from a recruiting standpoint for a decade. So, he- yeah, I mean, that's that's the stuff. It, it's kind of wild just to see that. I mean, I think Fox Sports just tweeted out like the top 25 earning programs. OU is sitting at 129 million a year. Clemson was sitting at 77 million a year, I think. So to see Clemson be able to do that while theoretically not even being in the realm of the top five to top 10 richest schools uh, to me, hopefully OU is able to overcome some regional deficiencies when it comes to players. I mean, obviously Clemson's in a a more talent rich area. Uh, I I, I prescribe to that 300 mile radius uh, kind of rule. Like if you can get 80% of your team walking outside your door, uh, you're usually pretty much set. Um, But yeah, to me uh, of the teams that are moving over Oklahoma's, been the most sec team that hasn't just been playing in the sec i mean if you look at ou's history barry switzer i mean ou has been a that type of level when it comes to recruiting that type of level when it comes to the you know the hundred dollar handshakes and all the way across the board there's some pretty famous recruiting stories in the 80s and the 70s and stuff um it's just i think the thing that's drug ou down and some self-inflicted wounds obviously is that when you're trying to recruit at that sec level but not playing in the SEC. So you always have that knock against you when you're walking into a room trying to go against the Florida, trying to go against Alabama or an Auburn or something. You know, you can say, hey, we're trying to build something to compete against them. But then the SEC has like 300 players drafted every single year. It's just right. hard to compete. I think OU is definitely going to get that SEC bump or whatever. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think you're already seeing that really. Um, and you know, just expanding the SEC footprint, I'm I'm sure that OU is going to be able to reach out and get uh, kids from other areas now. You know, maybe maybe they couldn't pull in. Uh, I, I don't really know what else they could do. They're already so good, but you know, playing in that playing in the SEC means a lot to these kids, and absolutely, that's where everyone wants to play now. Uh, you know, for good or ill, you know. So um, I think OU is going to absolutely come in and and they're already making their presence known, you know. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, there's a part of me that kind of thinks about that transition and thinks, well, teams just basically stay who they are historically. I mean, if, if you're if you're around talent and around recruits to where you can stay there, you have a and you have a booster network that kind of all understands what they're supposed to be doing, you kind of stay who you are. Like AM has stayed AM to a certain degree. And, and in fact, has somewhat regressed record-wise compared to its time in the Big 12. Uh, no, I, I flipped that. I'm sorry. It used to win more in the Big 12 than it does now. Um, and Missouri, also kind of the same thing. It's staying that same type of program as it moves over. So in my mind, I think OU is pretty much going to stay OU to a certain right. degree. Mm-hmm. Now, are they winning 11-1 every single year? No, because you have Alabama on the schedule. More than likely, every single year, you're going to have LSU. I mean, it's going to be more 9-3s and threes than OU fans are used to. Uh, but that just comes – it just comes with the territory of basically playing in the NFL junior. Right. Uh, yeah, definitely, man. Um, you can't go out 11 to one every year. <laughs> no, no. I mean, yeah, Nick Saban all, in Alabama, they kind of operate in like this alternate reality right now, you know? So, and a lot of that, uh, I mean, you know, Auburn, it can't can't keep up at all. LSU can't keep up at all. So you know, over the past fifteen years or fourteen years or whatever, I mean, Alabama has just really reshaped the entire SEC over and over and over and again. I mean, it has it hasn't happened just like one or two times. It's happened like three or four times. So yeah, I mean, they're obviously the big elephant in the room, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the sun in the in the middle of the galaxy. So. Uh, everything at this point revolves around them, but you know, it, it, it's such it's such a quarterback league at this point, the SEC and and a defensive line league that you know that, that those are the positions you really have to look for in the SEC and offensive line, obviously too, that really are making the difference now between like an Alabama and an LSU and, you know, someone who's not there at this point. Um, so yeah, those recruiting margins are so, so small. Uh, uh, that's, that's where, um, all these guys make their money. That's why, they, that's why they make all their money. And that's, you know, in the end, that's what's, that's the difference between nine, three and 11 and one. Yeah. I mean, um, it, the Big 12 was has basically fully exited the quarterback league. I mean, it was quarterback league for a decade, and now it's much more of a option league, a spread league. Uh, that's a little kind of less quarterback dependent. Uh, and, and the defense side of it, it's become an extremely defensive league uh, schematically. I mean, uh, they're not quite getting the defensive line play that, um, you know, your typical SEC teams or your higher, your upper echelon SEC teams are. And, um, you know, the Big 12 teams, if I don't know how much you watch some of their defensive structures, they're very much built from the back all the way up to the front. Like Iowa State started basically dropping eight to nine guys and shutting everything down all the way across mm-hmm. the board. And now you see Georgia do that. Alabama's doing it more, uh, just kind of flooding everything with athletes. Basically, everyone's six foot one <laughs> and they can all run super fast. Uh, so it really changes stuff. But under Grinch, OU didn't have a single defensive lineman over 300 pounds, and Brent has already made three offers from Florida kids, uh, and all three of them are 300 or 300 plus. Uh, so you can tell there's an immediate sea change of him understanding you can't you can't be light up front against these guys. It's just going to be it's going to be a, a tough row if you, if everyone's 280, 275. Right, exactly. Yeah, uh, quarterbacks will just have all day. Yeah. So the other point there I want to talk about again is the OU fan podcast. So I'm gonna to try to get my OU fans uh, with myself with myself uh, kind of riled up just a little bit. One of the lines you talked about when it came to the alignment issue that Brent Reynolds had kind of talked about, and honestly, I agree with them. I mean, you had a, at that time during that coaching search, you had a defensive coordinator who was trying to cultivate a booster support to get hired against the AD's wishes. <laughs> it, if I were him, you know, historically or famously, he said he's like been waiting for the perfect job. If I were to look at that situation and I'm sitting there at Clemson, and be like I'm making $2 million, $2.5 million. Do I really want to jump into that hornet's nest? <laughs> to me, that's what he should have just said. 
but then he doesn't have the the folksy story about listening to his children and you know from the mouth of babes and all that type of stuff <laughs> but to me that I mean, was the to, main red flag <laughs> that was I, I mean i loved the way he crafted that story just to take a shot at auburn i mean I thought, <laughs> yeah you're like, going my... to do that <laughs> right <laughs> I mean, come on, you know, he wasn't like tucking his kid into bed and, and like they're saying their prayers and reading a book or whatever. And, and she's like, why didn't you take the Auburn job? Like <laughs> just does not come up in conversation with a child. So um, it reminds me of like a Jimbo type story. <laughs> you know, it's like I was just sitting around the deer stand and all of a sudden my, you know, three-year-old nephew <laughs> was, how are you going to beat Alabama? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Um I think that Auburn uh, definitely is a vulnerable SEC program right now with Brian Harson and, you know, some of the other programs that are recruiting these same kids definitely feel that and, and they understand that. So Britt Venables was kind of leaning into that right now um, because – um, a couple of days before he was even introduced as the head coach at Oklahoma, he was he was in Birmingham recruiting a defensive lineman for mm-hmm. uh, for Clemson. So you know that it, you know if you want to read the tea leaves, he that was he was just doing some some nice recruiting on his first day as Oklahoma's coach. You know, so he he definitely gets it. And yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of tit for tat like that along the way. Um, but Auburn, yeah, is you guys will start. You guys will learn once you get in the SEC more the thick of things. Like Auburn is such a strange, weird thing because, like, they are located in like the perfect recruiting area. Okay, and so they're always going to have an incredible defense. Like no matter what, you know, they just can just fall out of bed and, and have a have a recruit a great defense. Um, but. <laughs> There are like different factions at Auburn and that, that kind of pull the fan base apart. And you say you're seeing some of that now with like Bo Nix leaving, mm-hmm. you know, as a grad transfer and everything. So, um, you know, you guys like like I'm kind of learning about Oklahoma and everything like you guys will learn about the other SEC programs more and more. So it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, I know the Auburn stuff. And again, just outside looking in. The moment they hired Harsing, I was like, well, maybe that will work. And now I've seen he just seems to not recruit at all, period. I was like, there's either the dude's waiting for another job. (laughs) He can't even hire an offensive coordinator right now. (laughs) Like, he can't even hire an offensive coordinator. He fired Mike Bobo, and he can't hire an OC because no one wants to go work there. They're worried about getting fired and him getting fired. Yeah. It's such a difficult situation that Auburn is in right now. Uh, I mean, he was obviously like their third or fourth mm-hmm. pick. Who knows what he was? Uh, but everyone's everyone's everyone passed on Auburn, and you know, he can't even hire an offensive coordinator right now. So uh, who knows how long <laughs> the Harson experiment is going to last at Auburn? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it I wish him the best, and I hope they do great uh, with this recruiting class it's coming up in like two days but you know right now i think they're like ranked 12th or whatever in the sec and he just lost his quarterback he just lost his best running back he just lost his second best running back (laughs) so they got a lot of work to do yeah yeah i mean walking through that stuff because you're talking about he's not there he's like their third or fourth choice yeah, the school just up north of you got of uh, Auburn in Tennessee seemed to have made a decently good hire. I mean, with Josh Apple, former OU quarterback, and you know, he was like their third or fourth guy. And I did not think that was going to work out in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I was like, he's not going to recruit the level they need to recruit at. And I I haven't fully looked at their recruiting class. Um, and it seems to be doing okay, but I just kind of thought his type of offense he likes to run. I so I just do not think it's going to work out. And Honestly, his Tennessee season turned out a lot better than I thought it was going to be at the beginning of this season with Heupel. So, um, despite know, it, Tennessee, yeah, <laughs> yeah, despite Tennessee trying to be, they Tennessee, were able yeah. to hire a decent coach. Yeah, I didn't think they didn't want to. 
<laughs> they, they definitely did not want to. And the OU fans, like we're we're that 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 concept you just kind of walked us through. We're very much so used to this. I mean, our number one team is Oklahoma, obviously. Our number two team is watching different factions of the Texas fan base and Texas booster clubs try to murder each other. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason why Texas, the richest school in history and the most talent-rich state, have they can literally pick and choose whoever they want to have up there. They're literally playing offensive linemen $50,000 a year just to show up now. Uh, <laughs> and they just continually just suck. And, and it's just because... I think what Brent was trying to also say about the Auburn thing, not everyone is looking in the same direction, walking in the same direction. You know, you have to have like what Saban did for Alabama. This is my assumption. You have, if it, it's really hard to fight against Alabama. If you're an Alabama booster, it's really hard to fight against Nick Saban at this point in time. If he says we all have to go this way, you kind of pretty much all have to. Oh, he did that from day one. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Absolutely. You know, and OU may, I mean, and OU historically has been a program that has done that. Um, I think, I think it was Stephen Godfrey said Oklahoma is just really efficient Arkansas. <laughs> I mean, it, there's similar recruiting territory. They make more money, but thing is, everyone understands. Everyone understands the assignment to a certain degree, and they all do what they what needs to get done for OU to be great. And if you had a chance to watch Brent Venables like land at the airport. There was hundreds of students there. They had the full band there, had everything. And you can tell Oklahoma, and I'm hoping as I go to different SEC schools and stadiums and stuff, Oklahoma still very much so is college football. It isn't like professional transactions happening. Like when Brian Kelly went to LSU, like no one was there. He shook his hands with some dudes in, in some suits and then, you know, did the fake Southern accent at the basketball game. Uh, it just so seems like so much of it is like, almost like NFL head coaching jobs. Everyone's just kind of moving and like, yeah, he'll do well. And that's it. But Oklahoma is one of those special places, which I'm assuming Alabama's quite like that. I hear people calling for Nick Saban's job, you know, when they win by 14 instead of 30. <laughs> so you can tell there's a certain amount of pressure at certain types of schools where I always thought, Oh, you could fit in pretty well. Um, but there was a line. There's one line I want to bring up. You talked about, uh, Brent Venables not wanting to take the Auburn job because it's so close to Alabama and Nick Saban's there. Um, do you really think that's that much of a detriment for someone trying to coach at Auburn or maybe even speaking to Brent Venables? Because, I mean, obviously, depending on how it all shakes out, Oklahoma could be playing Alabama yearly anyway in a couple of years, so he's going <laughs> right. to fight up against them. But do you really think that kind of damages that job or damages that opportunity? Through the Keyhole is brought to you by Uptown Anytime Fitness. That is Anytime Fitness on 23rd and Walker. The best gym in Oklahoma City, if you ask me. And I know that for a fact because I've been using it for just about two years and I couldn't love it anymore. Perfect size, perfect amount of equipment. And we're even getting $40,000 upgraded equipment over the next few months, so we're excited for that. But it's not too big, it's not too small, it's not intimidating. So for first-time gym users or, you know, if you're out there getting closer and closer to the new year and you're thinking about New Year's resolutions, new fitness goals, yeah, this gym is not intimidating. There's never a, a ton of people inside at any point during the day, so you never have to wait for your equipment. It's just the best place, in my opinion, to be if you're just trying to improve yourself in one way or another. And the new owner, Garrett, is awesome, very personable, very helpful, and wants to help you guys out as much as possible. So for the month of October, they're doing a dollar membership sign-up fee. Again, it's a dollar membership sign-up fee for the month of October. Just let them know that you heard about this deal from Through the Keyhole or just from me. Maybe you'll run into me and you can make fun of me. But again, there are about a 1,000 Anytime Fitnesses across the map. So if you don't necessarily live around Uptown OKC, you can just come up here, sign up with this gym with Garrett, and then you're able to use any of Anytime Fitness's facilities. There are a ton in the metro. There's a few in Edmond. There's a few in Tulsa. I was just in Dallas a few weeks ago and used an Anytime Fitness in Seagaville, Anytime Fitness in Kaufman. So even if you travel consistently, Anytime Fitness will still be there to help you achieve your fitness goals. And hey, if you are perfectly fine with how you feel, how you look, all those things, that's fine. But just help us out here at Through the Keyhole and go ahead and like Uptown Anytime Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. Give them a follow. We will greatly appreciate that. I don't know if I would call it damage, but it definitely affects it. I mean, it's Nick Saban. He's the greatest coach right now. Uh, 
you know, no matter like his place in history, like right now he's it. So mm-hmm. when you have that force on the other side of the state. Yeah, that absolutely makes a difference at a place like Auburn. And especially when Auburn can't get um, everyone on the same page. So, you know, so you, you're going to, you're going, you want to take a job that you, you're going to have to go up against the, the greatest coach of all time. Then at the same time, like, not everyone at Auburn, like they don't have a history of uh, working together or they have a difficult time, I guess, working together all the time. So uh, that's why Auburn is such a difficult job is that that really wasn't a shot at Brent Venables. That was more just like the situation that is at Auburn right now, uh, mm-hmm. just being opposed by Alabama all the time. So and Georgia, like you have to remember that yeah. uh, Auburn's two biggest rivals. It's not just Alabama; it's also Georgia. So, you know, they're the two biggest programs right now in the SEC. So, <laughs> you know, Auburn has it uh, on the east with with Georgia, and they have it on the west with Alabama. So, yeah, it, it's hard to be Al- Al- Auburn right now. You know, I'm sure that eventually, you know, the pendulum will swing back the other way. Uh, Auburn has dominated the rivalry before in the past. So, but right now that's a hard job. <laughs> yeah. And Saban can't coach forever. So, I mean, right. I think that'll be interesting. What happens that next hire after him, how they try to keep the the train rolling. Do they try to do what Bob Stoops did of Fleek and Riley, you know, just he retires, hands it off to the next guy. And you, you know, even like Lincoln Riley took what Bob Stoops had and elevated it for, a couple of years before he started losing some concentration around the edges, in my opinion. Um, yeah, that's one of the things I'm hoping with, with Brent Venables, like you said, he was at SEC, he was in basically an SEC school for a decade and he kind of figured out all those things on the edges you have to do in order to compete at a high level like that. I mean, what, what's the thought process down in Alabama? Like, is there kind of a enjoy it while we've got it with Nick Saban? Or is everyone kind of thinking, well, the, the machine's built. This is us for the rest of the time. Oh, absolutely. Alabama fans <laughs> definitely think that they're just going to dominate forever. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. Um, <laughs> you know, and why, why couldn't they not? I mean, everything yeah. is in place. I mean, come on, you know. Uh, I mean, that's not reality. That, uh, uh, obviously, it, you know, like I was saying before, it comes in waves. So, uh I always tell Alabama fans at every opportunity I get to enjoy this while 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 it's here, enjoy it while you can. Uh hardly anyone ever listens to that <laughs> when it comes to being an Alabama fan. You know, they were just upset with like an eleven and one season because they didn't, you know, beat teams bad enough. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely understand it. I mean, coming from an OU, I mean, it's kind of crazy. I mean, the OU fan base, we always, I always try to mention it. And we have some other like higher profile bloggers stuff mention it. It's like, but the OU fan base is such a spoiled fan base when it comes to this stuff. I mean, it's a 10 and two season, or I should mean a two loss season or a one loss season. And we're, you know, wringing our hands like, okay, who do we have to fire? Who do we need to hire <laughs> right. you know, to get to that next place? It's a little different. I mean, OU's been in the playoffs. They've only really competed that one time against Georgia. Um, if they could have found a way not to basically go down by a million immediately by Alabama, maybe that's a different game. Uh, but other than that, they've kind of got their, their their doors blown off once they start playing these SEC programs, these high-profile programs. And I hope the listeners don't think I'm saying, oh, he's not going to be able to compete with SEC teams. So he's not going to be able to compete very well to the best team in college football every year, <laughs> unless they start changing um, some recruiting patterns. Um, do you think? Got, uh, do you think Lincoln Riley just decided I don't want to do any deal with this SEC? It's going to be easier out on the West. I, what happened, from my understanding, is that um, Lincoln Riley was one of like the three or four people who knew about the move was completely it wasn't like he got caught off guard you you tell your coach's stuff but he wanted full control of the football program and assuming in a way that I'm assuming Nick Saban does right now all that answers up to Joe uh, Castiglione. um he's the AD of Oklahoma but he 
all the programs answer to him. I mean, he's the athletics director. He controls all that stuff. There isn't a position right now under Lincoln Riley where football was able to be kind of its own thing, like football and then all the other sports. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was treated that way money-wise and everything, but everything went up to Joe. Lincoln wanted all everything football to start and end with him. OU just does not operate that way. It operates. It's a very stable program. It's if you, you know, if you're a fan of uh, Bill Conley and the SP plus it's literally had one dip. <laughs> it was a five year span in the nineties. Uh, the rest of the time, it's like at the very top of the chart. <laughs> uh, so OU operates in a very program specific way. And if you listen to Bob soups, talk about it. I'm a program guy. The program comes first. It has all, it's not a one coach place. I mean, OU has had three coaches win a hundred plus games had three coaches win national championships there. I mean, it's not some of these other programs like a Texas or Alabama to a certain degree, you've got one or two coaches and that is the end of it. You know, these are the two dudes who took you to the promised land. OU is kind of like the program. If you're, if you're not an idiot, you can win a lot of games at OU. It kind of takes it kind of takes care of itself for you in a way that other programs don't. Like LSU, from my understanding, the moment you look like you may not be there, they're just going to start gutting you apart. <laughs> you know, they're not trying to support you. They're trying to fight against you as you try to drag them to greatness to a certain degree. The OU program very much so is kind of lift you up. But USC seems to have said, we will give you everything. You will get final say on everything. AD has to run stuff by you type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and OU just did not want to do that. The funny thing is with Brent coming over, they have brought over uh, Turnip Seed, uh, used to be at Alabama at Clemson. And it right. seems they are giving him, they're making a role for him to basically be the AD over the football program. Yeah. So everything Lincoln Riley wanted, they seem to have somewhat given to Brent. Um, and I think, uh, Alan Kenny, blatant Homerism, uh, on, on Twitter, he's a big OU fan. Um, he kind of made it seem that way. Like, OU was willing to do something like that, but they couldn't do it with Lincoln Riley because how Lincoln was negotiating, it was almost kind of akin to negotiating for terrorists. Like once you make that move, either OU has to walk away from you or other people have to get fired. So Lincoln Riley can sit on the throne type of a thing. Um, and the program, I guess, quote unquote, won out over the individual interest. Yeah. Of one guy. Oh, Jeff Turnips, he's a cool dude, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything I've read about him, uh, I mean, obviously with Saban and and with if, and with uh, Dabo, it may everything I've read about him makes it seem like, oh, you need to get ready to start winning some national championships. So uh, <laughs> uh, it, it almost kind of paints him as like the architect of of building modern day programs to compete at high levels. So I, I I, for one, am extremely excited for OU to potentially win uh, its eighth championship, uh, first one in 21 years. <laughs> yeah, he's just really, he's just a really good people person. Um, you know, he's a great communicator. He builds strong relationships. Uh, I think that's his biggest asset. You know, he's a guy who's going to be with uh, you know, behind Venables 1000% all the way. He's going to make everyone pull in the same direction. Uh, you know, that's like what he brings to the table, in my opinion. You know, you, while being very, like I said, they, they are already aligned in that way. OU football probably does need to detach itself just slightly because, like you said, they're about to start walking to the dark arts of the SEC <laughs> right. and they need to be a little more prepared because the Big 12 is this an entirely different culture to the SEC? I mean, Big 12 is no one schools, no one says they're together. <laughs> the SEC seems very, I mean, Lincoln Riley had a hit on the on the big uh, big new network thing. And SEC, uh, the Alabama fans and Georgia fans just drowned him out chanting SEC because the whole meme was he was too afraid to coach an SEC. I mean, so you can tell the SEC is like, we take care of our own. To a certain degree, the Big 12 is not like that at all. We will gut you on the side of the road in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> There's a zero love amongst yeah, these teams. I mean, there's not really – I would I would say there's not really love for other teams and fan bases at the SEC. It's just like in the postseason or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, they all like 
there's definitely it's like this regionalism you know with the deep south or whatever that still exists and i think that like that aspect of it kind of bleeds over into like the solidarity of the sec you know but yeah you know now the sec is like without question like the strongest conference in america that you know there is some like saber rattling and some like chest pounding that that goes along with that (laughs) yeah no i have to i literally have to change my mindset from being like with bob stoops and lincoln riley bob stoops would get pissed anytime he played against the sec team like he would he would just get riled up because you know you could tell it pissed him off (laughs) hearing that yeah like the sec is this is that right he would take his shots i loved it (laughs) yeah he was he was you know, and he would get a, especially what we call late stage Bob Stoops from like 2010 to 2015, <laughs> where he was kind of like coasting to a certain degree, but he would come back to those early Bob Stoops years. Anytime they played an SEC team, you can tell he just wanted to just to beat their ass and be like, Hey, we can also do that. Uh, and he touts his SEC record. Anytime they get a chance, he's like, I've beaten them more times than they've beaten me, stuff like that. There um, was So I covered the Auburn, Oklahoma sugar bowl. There was definitely some of that. Um, you know, when Oklahoma whipped Auburn pretty good in New Orleans, mm-hmm. uh, I think even like Oklahoma fans like sarcastically chanted SEC, SEC. Yeah, we had the SEC stuff. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I guess that all comes from like Bob Stoops. Yeah. And so I have to change my mindset of being like, you know what? SEC is not all that big and bad. It's the USBN. They're, they're propping them up because they own. But now I'm thinking sec program now we're all good <laughs> we make more money than you guys who are these poor programs trying to play us whatever we're sec now <laughs> uh it's an immediate mind switch which you know i'm doing podcasts with iowa state fans and doing podcasts with you know kansas state and oklahoma state fans and they're just so pissed <laughs> and they have a right to be i mean OU in texas almost killed the entire conference by leaving um yeah but I mean- it sucks to be them well, it's, you know, just from like a totally unbiased standpoint, it's not the healthiest thing for college football, you know, to have no. like this, this one behemoth like conference, you know, uh, there needs to be balance. So um, even though it's about to be this, this, you know, huge destructive empire, you know, I think, I think some balance will return to college football when they finally expand the playoff, uh, you know, and they, they need to do it with the 12 teams, not eight. Uh, you know, the more, yeah. I think the more they add to the college football playoff, then that will help like in the trickle down effect for overall balance throughout college football. So, you know, the SEC is on top now, uh, but you know, like I said, it all, it always comes in waves or whatever. So, you know, if they can like change the way that you make the playoff or win, uh, you know, an actual title or whatever, then who knows? You could have a return of like USC or, um, you know, maybe there can be like another program who could who could step up and and mm-hmm. you know, like uh, Cincinnati is about to do or Central Florida. You know, I don't know. I mean. They are really positioned well and from a recruiting standpoint mm-hmm. uh, right there in the middle of Florida. So, you know, programs like that. Miami, yeah, you know, Miami can make another run now uh, with Mario Cristobal. Cristobal, yeah. Right. And Clemson, you know, now being gutted. So it always, uh, you know, it always comes back around. Yeah, I think the only way we could see something like a major shift is – like I mentioned earlier, some of these schools are just these schools. Like Alabama is going to kind of always, even let, let's say Nick Saban retires next year and Alabama just drops to 80% of who they were. You know, they, st- you know, they have more nine and three seasons, more 10. They're yeah, still, they're, never they're gonna not going to be a bottom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah not right. be a basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only way they could change that is if the schools banded together and said, you're only allowed to recruit so many five stars, you know, or something like that. I mean, that's the, in my mind, the only way that can change, uh, which to me, that would be extremely detrimental to the sport at that point in time. Um, yeah, I can't imagine anything like that happening, you know, no. because I mean, <laughs> the, the players, is... the players are the resource. Yeah, right. 
Well, Joe, I want to say I appreciate you coming on to the Through the Keyhole uh, podcast. I thought this was going to be a lot more contentious when I read the the article. I mean, I had my <laughs> I had my OU fan glasses on. I was like, he said what? And I read it again an hour before this. And I was like, oh, actually, super complimentary of OU and Brent Venable. So <laughs> I hope you have a chance to keep up with us. Uh, I think we follow each other on Twitter now. You're pretty funny talking about uh, Auburn trying to gut itself um, and the fans reacting the way that they are. Um, but everyone uh, through the keyhole, if you can uh, follow Joe at, at Joe Goodman Jr. Is that correct? On Twitter. Um, He writes for AL.com. And again, he has uh, a new book that came out November 9th. Um, We want Bama, a season of hope and the making of Nick Saban's ultimate team. Yeah. And Um, listen, if you're, if you're an Oklahoma sooner football fan and you want to like understand what this, the SEC or what Alabama is all about, like this is, that's the perfect book because it really goes into the history of the state and, you know, um, the history of the South. So yeah, we want Bama. Yeah, check it out because that's definitely something worth reading before Oklahoma joins the SEC. And I would suggest for you, this is a, a little bit older of a book, but for you have a chance to kind of understand who Oklahoma is, I would read Barry Switzer's Bootlegger's Boy. Yeah, um, yeah, no, someone else mentioned that to me too, man. I'm definitely going to check it out. I'm writing it down right now. Yeah, he has a, a couple chapters on here where he uh, literally details every single – NCAA allegation every leveled against him and admits if he's guilty or not. <laughs> That's amazing. So, uh, he, he really breaks down what Oklahoma means. And I think if you read this book, you'll probably see a lot of parallels between that and Bama. Just yeah. the idea of this place is great. You have mm-hmm. a certain responsibility to keep it great sort, sort of a thing there. And he kind of really gets, even though he's from Arkansas, just the regionalism of Oklahoma and what it means to the people of Oklahoma. Um, you know, something for the, the state and the people to be proud of. So I, I think there's probably some crossover and some similarities there, but do you have anything else that I, I may not have been a, a good enough host? Do you have anything else you want to plug or like where can people reach you or where they can uh, do oh, anything no, like man. that? <laughs> this was great. I had a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to Oklahoma joining the SEC. And um, like I said, I love my visits uh, to Oklahoma city and Norman in the past and looking forward to getting back there. Uh, I love, uh, so, you know, brisket is not like a big thing uh, in Alabama. So mm-hmm. whenever I get to go to like Oklahoma or Texas, like I love to, to get the brisket there because it's so good. But also another thing that's great are like the hot link sausages. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like that's not really a thing here either. Uh, so, you know, I, I love to like the last time I was there, I went to this barbecue place in Norman and I just got like a sliced hot link sandwich or whatever. It was really good. Um, The uh, bootleggers boy, I actually had an OU fan already uh, email me because he bought We Want Bama and he really enjoyed it. And he actually recommended bootleggers boy to me. So I'm going to definitely read that. Um, Another thing I wanted to say was, uh, you know, I always tell people like culturally a good measure of like, is it the South? Is it not the South? Is if you can go into a restaurant and just order uh like iced tea and Mm -hmm. if it if it's if they give it to you sweet or whatever and it's like not even a question then it's definitely the south (laughs) so where i am in the southeastern corner of the state we are the south there is no unsweet tea (laughs) like (laughs) yeah you have to like reach out for it you know right right okay it's wild because like the the biggest like name brand tea brand here that you can buy at stores for like red diamond and they've got sweet tea and then half and half (laughs) <laughs> but yeah. you really right. can't find unsweet tea. <laughs> well, Red Diamond is a Birmingham company. It's oh, yeah, pretty cool. I actually, just drove past the headquarters yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a it's an old Birmingham company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But as you get a little bit further north, like the Tulsa and stuff like that, Oklahoma City, like I, a podcast partner, so I call them Yankees. Uh, <laughs> they're they're like the north to a certain degree. It's a little more swankier up there than southeastern Oklahoma is. Um, I'm also part of a. a a native american tribe i'm a member of the choctaw nation and okay. um that was all over the place down there like tuscaloosa is a choctaw word for black warrior i mean right. there's it some of that stuff is really cool to go and visit when i drive like to destin or something for like a vacation or something like that i kind of run through those things and go oh man all these things are here that i know about which to me kind of ties oklahoma to that region obviously it's on the edge of it but it kind of ties like language food kind of ties all that together 
I am a little concerned that that you're kind of mentioning that barbecue might not to be the be the biggest thing in Southeast in the SEC. So I'm a little worried about some some road road trips on that. To be honest with you. Oh no no no! You've come to here. It's like it's all pork. Like it's all pork. That's the big barbecue here. Okay. You know, it's just not like beef brisket or whatever. I mean, it's they come to Birmingham and Tuscaloosa, and you, you like <laughs> every block. There's like five barbecue restaurants you know okay making sure you had me ubiquitous. i was like it's a little oh, no 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 it's ubiquitous <laughs> here i mean yeah uh, it's just brisket isn't like that big a thing mm-hmm. yeah we have like a lot of beef ribs and stuff like that the people i mean oklahoma and texas it's they had all those cattle trains backing up up and down so it just right. makes a bunch of steaks and everything it's kind of who oklahoma and texas is on, on its food its food base to a certain degree uh real quick I've I've been trying to I've been trying to tie this up for the last five minutes, but <laughs> real quick, what are the top five schools that I need to go to for when OU starts playing SEC programs? Oh, oh, okay, yeah, definitely Alabama and Auburn, LSU, uh, Florida, and Tennessee. Yeah, I would really. That's a good five right there. But Ole Miss is Ole Miss is a good one too, though. You know. Like Ole Miss is the one I always hear about, but there are all people who visited the Ole Miss stuff. They're like, it's a beautiful campus. It's everything you want to see. But I'll take your word for it over them. Those those would be the top five. I mean, that gives you a good just kind of, you know, I, I guess picture of everything. But yeah. Oxford is a lot of fun on game day. I mean, I love that place. So. Well, awesome, man. Well, Joe, thanks again, man. Thanks for uh, jumping up here and do this. This is part of our uh, off-season programming that we have, just trying to talk to some other people, talk to some other stuff, give something interesting for the patrons to listen to. Um, and again, guys, if you don't know, Joe had no idea who I was, uh, and he he actually has a blue check mark. I do not. I have 600 <laughs> followers. Uh, but Brady actually reached out to him, again, I guess just randomly through a DM, uh, and started that connection. So uh, Brady's still moving in the shadows, helping out through the keyhole uh, to kind of get this all put together. But Joe, man, I appreciate you doing this in such short notice. Um, and um, thanks for uh, keep pumping up uh, Brent Venables and your articles. We'd appreciate that. Helps with recruiting. <laughs> all right, cool, man. All right, y'all be good. <laughs>